It's time to celebrate. No buts. And of course, I'm talking about the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade has been overturned just last week, and it's it's one of the greatest victories for human rights in the history of the world. It's one of the most amazing things that could have ever happened. I never thought that we would see this day, and it's 100% worth celebrating. Good things are good. When we get to heaven, we will celebrate in spite of, of those people who are in hell. We're allowed to celebrate without feeling bad about it. We're allowed to experience a victory and be joyful. A a Christ-like joy. A godly joy. Because God did something wonderful in the world and we don't have to feel sad about it whatsoever. I'm so thankful, in fact, that the pastor preaching at my church on Sunday didn't add a but. He said, we ought to celebrate, and there was no but. He merely celebrated, and there was great applause in the church, in spite of those who may have disagreed. But he was one of the few. Pastors guaranteed across the country on Sunday have been saying that we should celebrate, but... Or some are saying that we shouldn't be celebrating at all because of all of the, the the bad things surrounding this or all of the grief and all of the lament that people are experiencing because of this. The corrupted Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe v. Wade. We're now back in the dark ages. You are now in a prison. You don't hear them saying anything about castrating men, do you? This is a problem that's going to affect society as a whole. Uh, Just pain and damage this is going to cause. And the full ability to tell a woman what she can and can't do with her body. And we're going back into a handmaid's tale society here. The damage this is going to do is unbelievable. My heart is just broken. I don't understand why this country hates women so much. We'll get through this. We'll figure out a way. Or some are saying that, um, you know, we we shouldn't celebrate because this this actually didn't accomplish anything at all. It's not the end of the battle. There's there's more to be fighting. So let's not celebrate. Forget that over 60 million living human children have been massacred since Roe v. Wade legalized abortion in 1973. And this ruling will literally save millions of lives. Forget that. That's not worth celebrating. We should instead be loving to mothers who want to murder their children. That's what these people are saying. That's what these pastors are saying. That's what these so-called Christian publications are saying. But in reality, these people are completely and entirely lost. Yes, we should love our enemy. We should love our neighbors We should love uh, women who want to or have aborted their children. In fact, 
God can forgive these people. God can forgive the people spouting nonsense from the pulpit that we shouldn't be celebrating one of the greatest victories in the history of, of the world. God can forgive those people if they just repent and believe in Jesus. God can forgive those people. God can forgive the murder of children. God can forgive the love of the murder of children. But the way that we love those people is that we call them to repentance. We don't feel bad for them. We don't shed tears for them. We don't hold back from being joyful in one of the the greatest things ever to happen. We don't hold back. We can celebrate. And we can love these people at the same time, but there's no but. There's no, we can celebrate, but let's not celebrate too hard. Or like the Gospel Coalition in their featured article today says, let's not celebrate at all. Instead, let's have love for uh, women who want to murder their children. We should love these people by not allowing them to murder their children. That's what true love looks like. We should love people by telling them the truth. We should love people by not letting them hold control over our godly joy. That's how we ought to be loving people. These people who want to prevent you from celebrating, these people who want to prevent you from having godly, good, actual joy, these people have twisted values. They've given in to the left's redefinition of pro-life. I don't even like the term pro-life. I prefer, I think it muddies the waters. I think people can can bring up stupid arguments because of pro-life. Well, you're not you're not a womb to tomb pro-life. You believe in the death penalty, or uh, why don't you want swaths of illegal immigrants coming into the country from their horrible country? Uh, that's not pro-life of you. So I prefer not to muddy the waters, even though I can still confidently say I'm pro-life in spite of these things. And in fact, I have an episode about that uh, from a few months ago that you can check out. But these people say you can't be truly pro-life unless you're pro-illegal immigration or pro-universal health care or pro-socialism, high taxes and redistribution of wealth. False. False. I want to focus on one issue and one issue only. Forget pro-life. I'm anti-abortion. I'm against the murder of children. I'm against the murder of 60 million children. There is the blood right now of over 60 million. Can you even wrap your head around how big of a number that is? 60 million. That's about six times greater than the victims in the Holocaust. Can you comprehend how, like, the the death that we have brought upon ourselves in America? You know, God doesn't like that death. We are storing up wrath for ourselves for 60 million and counting innocent lives. The, the, the most innocent lives... <laughs> They haven't had a chance to even be born so that they can sin. There is not a single more innocent life that you could possibly imagine. And we have murdered as a nation 60 million of them. 
Their blood is on our hands as a nation. That's a lot of wrath stored up. But for some reason, God has chosen to give us mercy and allow us to build up that wrath at a slower pace by allowing us to overturn Roe versus Wade. Now, it's true that this decision will now go to the states and not the federal government, but a lot of states already have illegalized abortion completely, including my state, Missouri. It's amazing. It's great. It's amazing. It's worth celebrating. It's worth being joyful about. I'm so I I didn't celebrate hard enough after this decision was made. It's like I want to I want to be celebrating this whole week with good food and 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 sweet, you know, whatever. I I want to be I want to adequate I mean I can't adequately celebrate this. I it's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's it's amazing. Uh, it's worth celebrating. Proverbs 21.15 says, When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but a terror to evildoers. And we can use this opportunity to see the Christians among us who are not joyful. And mark them and avoid them. Because... When justice is done, it's a joy to the righteous, but it's a terror to the evildoers. And a lot of so-called Christians are acting like this is more of a terror than it is actual justice. The Gospel Coalition seems to care an awful lot about justice. All the wrong kinds of justice. Not actual justice. They care about things like gender justice and racial justice. Whether we're talking about racial justice or gender justice or what have you. And a lot of big-name evangelical pastors care about this. And Christianity Today cares about this. And pretty much every big-name pastor, uh, mainstream Christian publication out there, this, more than anything, proves that a lot of people who we thought were Christians are probably not Christians. They are not the righteous, but they're the evildoers. They look more like the world then they look like God exactly by thinking that they are trying to look like God by looking like the world. They want to seem attractive to the world and they are seem and they are as a result being completely unattractive to God. Jesus Christ is spitting them out because they're useless. That's what these people are. Because they're not celebrating this joyful joyful time. Notice the people who aren't saying things about this. Did your pastor on Sunday just preach the sermon they were going to preach anyway and not spend any time talking about the glory that is the overturning of Roe v. Wade? If he did, that is a serious problem. Serious. Like, it's huge. It's worth confronting your pastor about if he didn't say anything. I'd say that is a big, a massive sin. That's an opportunity to shepherd your flock. People right now need to be equipped. The church, Christians, need to be equipped to deal with the torrent of people that, uh, you know, I mean, you know, anywhere you go on social media or any, anywhere right now, there is a torrent of people talking about how 
this is uh this is horrible for women's rights or that you know true Christians need to love uh, women instead of celebrate this stuff like tons of people a good pastor needs to equip their congregation to deal with these people because this is the world we live in now a good shepherd will be shepherding his flock through this stuff if your pastor said nothing if your pastor didn't give any indication that this is a wonderful thing and that it's worth celebrating and celebrating with no buts, he failed. If your pastor said something like we ought to celebrate, but then he said, but if he spent this much time on the fact that we should celebrate and this much time on the fact that, you know, giving into the left's talking points and redefinition of pro-life, he has failed. If he said we should celebrate, but here's all the things that we should be doing better. He's failed. That is worth confronting your pastor over. Keep an eye out for what these people say. Keep an eye out on what other Christians say about this. Keep an eye out on Christian publications. I mean, the featured article on the Gospel Coalition, I mean, you can look at Christianity Today, um, all these publications that thousands of Christians follow and contribute to. They, they're taking the wrong side. Keep an eye out on these people and you will see what side they're on. More than ever, we have things. I mean, you know, it's like one one seemingly horrible thing after another, like, like, um, vaccines and like the lockdowns and then COVID and then the Roe v. Wade stuff. We have so many things to be thankful for, even in the midst of all these, uh, challenging situations. We have so many things that we can be thankful for because we get to see our leaders' reactions to these things and they're showing their true colors. Popular people who we may have followed and loved. They're showing their true colors. They're showing what side they're really on. These issues are so polarizing that we are getting to see who the bad guys and who the good guys are. Who are the people who are willing to stand against the winds of culture and who are the people who want to be blown every which way by them? People's response to this issue alone the murder of 60 million children and the fact that that number is going to be drastically, massively reduced alone can tell you if these people are actual faithful Christians or not. So here's our responsibility. I'll tell you what you might not have heard at church, but you should have laugh. For we have won a great victory. Celebrate. Celebrate in spite of every tear shed in the name of women's rights. Celebrate. Laugh. Eat. Drink. Have parties. Be merry. Meet with your family. Meet with your friends. Share with everyone around you how wonderful this is. Because God knows everyone else is sharing in the world about how horrible this is. So let's lift up our voice, you know, the correct voice about how wonderful and worth celebrating this is. And don't stop fighting until every single murder is abolished.
for the first time ever anywhere, the 45th president of the United States of America. To my world, I am so sorry to my world. This is not what we want. We will face challenges. There's so much potential. But we will get the job done. For beauty and for devastation. In this one moment, it's almost incomprehensible that they can exist right now. So. And we are grateful. So close.